0: Good morning church family, greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen What a joyful morning that we have together, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen um, Let me take this time to welcome um, the service. Uh, I'm saying it right, né? <laughs> Lushanto and her husband Please remind me you of your name brother, Tewoho, uh, Tewoho and Lushante. Um, um, uh, do you feel at home? Get to know them um, They are dear brothers and sisters uh, Brother and sister uh, The last time I, I saw uh, Lushantel She was not married And um, good to see you and your husband um, We met In, in um, Living Hope uh, So it's good to see you And also welcome to Tami and, and Tepiso They are familiar faces to us were members of our church before they uh, left us and to went to Brackenest? Uh, so, yeah, um, usually we go through Mark. Uh, my desire was that as we got to uh, um, Easter Friday, uh, Good Friday, and uh, um, Resurrection Sunday, that we would be in the portion where it is about that, but um, unfortunately. We we, we, we we are not there yet, but I want to take you to Luke chapter 23, verse 55, um, up until Luke chapter 24, verse 12. Luke chapter 23, verse 55, up until Luke 24, verse 12. And the title of today's sermon is, He is not here. He is not here. Let us take this time and... Uh, presented to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that death did not have the last say. We thank you that in you we have that victory. And we can rejoice as we draw near to you. We can rejoice that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We can rejoice that we are your children. We can rejoice that we have hope because of the cross, because of the resurrection. May your name be glorified this morning as we hear your word. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought for the sake of your name and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you when you think about the resurrection, you especially if you read the Bible, you will notice that it is of central importance to the Christian faith. You know, however, celebrating the resurrection shouldn't be limited to one Sunday a year, right? If the resurrection is, is if you think about it, if, if it's of utmost importance, it should be central every Sunday. In fact, the reason we worship on Sunday is because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. The resurrection should captivate us every Sunday. And, and really, it should captivate us every day. So as you can imagine, one of the difficulties I face as a preacher on Easter is to try to draw out um, the wonder and the significance of the resurrection in 30, uh, at least 30 minutes. Uh, did you know that every sermon that the apostles preached in in the book of Acts was about the resurrection. They, 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 they focused and, and made the resurrection their central message. They hardly focus on the birth or the, the life of Jesus but their message is mostly on the resurrection of Jesus. They focus almost exclusively on the resurrection of the crucified Messiah and the early church didn't limit their celebration of the resurrection on Easter. Easter Sunday simply introduced a 50 day celebration of the resurrection and needless to say I don't have time to draw out all the riches of the resurrection this morning I'm only going to focus on the first 12 verses as um, I said of, 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 the, of this chapter that we just read in Luke but over the, the, the this time I, I want us to um to use our sanctified imagination right as we, we read and and, and re- re- meditate on these verses I, I want us to draw near to the Lord and 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 and, and open our hearts to be impacted to be uh, changed and transformed by what we read now let us look at these verses as I said we'll start with chapter 23 verse 55 I read from the ESV, follow me as I read God's word the women who had come with them from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath day rested according to the commandment verse 24 verse 1 but on the first day of the week at early dawn And the title, He is not here, but it has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, faith in the resurrection is essential for Christianity. Right? You you can't be a Christian if you don't believe that Christ is risen from the dead. All stripes of Bible-believing Christians throughout the centuries have believed in this foundational truth. But if it's essential for a Christian to believe in the resurrection, then I think there are at least three important questions we must ask ourselves. And thankfully. Luke answers all those questions. The first question is, what is the basis of our faith in the resurrection? Secondly, how do we come to faith in the resurrection? And thirdly, why does our faith uh, why does our faith rest in the resurrection? Um, why does it matter? right First, let us look at um, the first question. What is the basis of our faith? In other words, we ask ourselves, did the resurrection actually happen? Right? And this is a critical question for, for Luke to ask. It's behind his very purpose in writing this book. It is the first chapter, in the first chapter of Luke, he tells, us, he tells us why he wrote his gospel. It was to give an orderly account of the eyewitness testimony concerning Jesus so that we have certainty concerning our faith in him. He wanted to write so that we, um, um, uh, obviously the Christian in that time, and Christians to come, would have uh, certainty in their faith in Christ. That our faith will not be a blind faith. Our faith will not rest in in, in just um, superstition, but it will rest in events that are true. He's not simply laying out the teachings of the Christian religion, he's giving a historical account of what actually happened with Jesus of Nazareth. He's giving a historical uh, basis for our faith. That's what we see in Luke chapter 24. Luke wants us to know that the resurrection is a historical reality. And so he begins and ends the first section of Luke 24 with historical eyewitness testimony about the empty tomb. The first verse tells us that a number of women went to the tomb early, on Sunday morning. These are the same women who followed the funeral procession to the tomb on Friday night and saw Jesus' body laid in that same tomb when you look at verse 55 of chapter 23. These are not just random women. They are not just random women. They they, they are listed by name in verse 10, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. These women followed Jesus for three years and even supported his ministry financially. These are real women and their names are listed here. So if anyone wanted to talk to them and hear their story, they could have. Right? These women went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When you look at verse 2. But when they, they, they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord. Verse 6. He was not there. That was the, the report, right? From the two strange men who appeared. He is not here. The, the, the last of our passage also gives eyewitness testimony to the, uh, the the last verse of our passage gives eyewitness testimony to the empty tomb. In verse twelve, Peter runs to the tomb, but he finds it completely empty, except for the linen clothes that Jesus had when he was buried. Luke is intent um, on establishing the historical reality of the resurrection, he 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 does that later in the chapter by recounting Jesus's appearance to a number of his disciples. But before he gets to the post-resurrection appearances, he wants to establish that the tomb was empty, and he highlights this at the beginning and at the end of our passage. The the, the empty tomb is the first piece of evidence that leads us to believe that Jesus. Is risen. And the angels announce in verse 6, He is not here, but has risen. Now, the second question that I want us to ask ourselves, you'll notice that the first question is, What is the basis of our faith? The second question is, How do we come to faith? Right? How do we know that Jesus is actually risen? It's, it's one thing for people in the 1st century to believe that Jesus is risen. right? They, they saw the risen Jesus right, with their own eyes. They saw him. But what about us in the 21st century? We, we didn't see the resurrection with our very eyes. How do we know for certain it's a historical reality? How do we come to faith in the resurrection? Here's the answer. We come to faith through hearing. Not through seeing some would say that faith in the resurrection is blind faith we, we, we went there we were not there so we're simply believing in legends but that's not quite fair if you if you think about it many of you here have read new, read news every day either you read on paper or online um, and although the news um, these days is full of spin and it's harder to even um, to, to, to even believe what you read there are still a number of things that you believe that are written in the news right you read about a homicide that, the ha- that happened this week and you, you believe it happened you read about a soccer game, you believe that it happened why do you believe it you, you were not there right? You, you don't even know anybody who is there you, you, you believe it because the reporters present it as, reliable, as a reliable story. And you know that, that if, it, if it is not true, somebody who was there will speak up. Others of you are like, are like me. I don't read the news. But I read biographies and um, historical books. I've been reading a number of books um, lately about the English Reformation in the 16th and 17th century, um, and I generally, I generally believe what I'm reading. In fact, um, that is not the only history I've been reading. I've been reading about this young theologian called uh, Dr. Kato. and uh, he is a Nigerian. He he was a Nigerian uh, 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 theologian um, who was called the the the, the father of African Evangelicalism. So I've been reading about him during the week. I've never met him. will never meet him because he died in 1975 um, in Nairobi. Uh, but when, when I read these historical things, right, I take them seriously because they have been reported historically. Right? If we believe biographies and news and stories, why would we read look any differently just because we were not there. His gospel presents itself as a reliable story. That's why he writes, to, to give an orderly account of eyewitness testimony. And his account is backed up by other secular histories from the ancient world and, uh, that, that, that corroborates with, 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 with these, these, these other three gospels. Right? Not to mention the epistles of, of Peter and John who saw the risen Jesus Christ with their own eyes. So why wouldn't we believe this word? Right? We were not there, yes, to see it with our own eyes, but others were there. and we can trust what they say. We can know that the resurrection is historical, not because, of, or, 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 not because it's based on what we see, but on what we hear. There's something really interesting in Luke's account of the resurrection. Even the people who eventually saw the risen Lord with their eyes, even when they uh, first asked to believe in the resurrection, when they were first asked to, to believe in the resurrection based on, on, on what they, they heard, right? They, 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 they believed based on what they heard. When the women come to the empty tomb, verse 4 tells us they are. Perplexed, They are surprised. They are shocked. They don't know what to make of it. But then the two angels appear and they tell them what to make of it. In fact, they tell them that they shouldn't be perplexed because Jesus already told them this would happen. Look at verse 6. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. He has said this before. At this point, the women had not seen Jesus. They had only heard that he was risen, and the angels remind them that Jesus had already told them that he would rise. These women, women who would see the risen Lord with their eyes, were first being asked to believe that Jesus was risen based off what they heard what they heard from Jesus before he was crucified what they heard from the report of the angels and here's the amazing thing the women believe in the resurrection based off what they hear we are told in verse 8 that they remembered his words that is they believe they, they believed his words then the women go and tell the 11 apostles what they heard And in, in fact in verse 10 it should probably be read they kept on telling these things to the disciples they kept on saying these things this is the pattern that we see from here on out in Luke's writing as people become convinced of the resurrection they tell people about it do you see that brothers and sisters do you see what is happening that when they become convinced of this reality, when they they, they 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 are convinced that Christ indeed has risen and he is Lord because of that, that they, they cannot keep quiet about it. They cannot keep it to themselves. They, they, they wanna tell it to everyone. They, they they wanna go tell it on the mountain, right? to everyone who is listening they, they, they everyone they want to they, they encounter they, they want to tell them about this risen Lord who is victorious everyone that they come across they want them to hear this amazing news of Jesus rising from the dead Jesus breaking out of the tomb Jesus defeating death itself, they want to say it loud they were not quiet about it once they were convinced you couldn't keep them quiet let's think about the early church the, 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 the kind of persecution that they experienced the kind of pain and trial that they went through because of the gospel the, 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 the logical thing humanly speaking was for them to stop talking about this thing but they spoke about it nonetheless Knowing that they will be fed to the lions if they speak about it. Knowing that they will be beheaded if they speak about it. Knowing that they will be crucified themselves if they speak about it. But they continue to speak about it. They were jailed and chained. But the only thing that the jailers did not do was close up their mouth. Because even when they were there, they spoke of him. And they spoke of his resurrection. I wonder, brothers and sisters, if this is the thing that energizes you, if, if this is the thing that excites you, we, we live in a world where we want to just talk about everything except this, because we, 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 we find it to be embarrassing and we are ashamed, uh, you know, to talk about it because we don't want people to think that we are associated with this thing it should be the thing that animates and energizes us they kept on talking about it they, 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 they couldn't keep quiet about it they remembered his words and held on to his words so there's, there's a huge emphasis on hearing the gospel in, in Luke chapter 24 and throughout the 28 chapters of of, of of Acts. The, 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 there's an emphasis on the idea of, of sharing and hearing the gospel. As Paul says in Romans, faith also comes from hearing the word about Christ. You know, we, we, we can pray for the world, we can pray for the world that they will um, be convicted of the truth but they will not be convicted of the truth unless we tell them of the truth. Right? It's like, it's like preparing um, a field to plant and you do all the hard work and you never go out with the seed. The ground is uh, ready to receive the seed but you never go out with the seed. You never give out the seed. See, the historical reality of the gospel matters immensely. It's important that people actually saw the risen Jesus, but the way we come to know about and believe the gospel is through hearing it. We should tell the gospel wherever we are. We should make it our for people to hear the gospel. Now the third question, we saw that the, the, the first question is what is the basis of our, of our faith um, secondly how do we come to faith and thirdly why does our faith matter why does our faith matter well, what difference does the resurrection make earlier I said the resurrection is central for the Christian faith but what makes it so important why is it so important There are three responses to the resurrection in our passage. And I've already mentioned the women's response. We also have um, the response of the apostles. But for our purpose this morning, I want to focus our attention on Peter's response to the resurrection. This is where Luke lands and where Luke is leading us. And it's it's, it's where we need to land as well if we want to understand why the resurrection is so important for us. In verse 11, we learn that the apostles didn't believe... The women's testimony. They thought that the women were giving an idle tale. They were seeing things. They were making up things. They were overrun by emotion and so they were hallucinating. Eventually, they believe and that should encourage us. right? Sometimes it takes more than one shot for people to believe the gospel. That the apostles eventually believed but here we find them faith. They, they, they weren't moved by the women's testimony at least 10 of them were not moved but Peter was moved in verse 12 we read that Peter rose and ran to the tomb stooping and looking in he saw the linen clothes by, them, clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened before that let me just go back the, the attitude of the first century towards women and the testimony of women is reflected here it's reflected in the fact that women were not trusted in their testimony a woman could not come and testify before the courts before the Sanhedrin or whatever but do you see what the Lord is doing the, the, the Lord is countercultural in that he he removes these cultural boundaries and lifts these women to be the first to witness his resurrection and to be the first to uh, report it to the, to the apostles. He, he takes these women and he, he, he raises them and their dignity in that time. But these men are there probably scared I mean you'd be scared um, they've killed their leader they think that they will come for us but you see these bold women taking a step and going to the grave and Jesus doesn't say okay I'll keep it from you until the men come right? Let the men come first. You are second class citizens. He raises them to a level of dignity. A level where we need to recognize that they are the imago Dei. They are the bearers of God's image. Right? They are the witnesses of of, of the resurrection of Christ and they testify and report of it. And when Peter hears it, he is moved. He's moved. He doesn't the, 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 and, and you'll notice that Peter is the one who had these cultural things that had really, really uh, bound him. Because oftentimes he is the one who's being dealt with in this way, right? First of all, he's dealt with in the sense that he cannot go to the Gentiles' house and and and, and eat with them and share the gospel with them. Uh, again, he is he is. Uh, uh, you know addressed of his racism again but here he is moved at this testimony when he hears about it he marvels he's floored but why? what left him in awestruck wonder? well to answer that question we need to think about where Peter was at Uh, where he was personally when when the women told him about the empty tomb Peter had a pretty stellar history with Jesus in chapter 5 he encounters Jesus in his fishing boat and is completely changed by him Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus chapter 5 verse 1 to 11 later when everybody starts to abandon Jesus uh, Jesus asks his disciples do you want to go away as well In John chapter 6, verse 66 and uh, and 68, Peter says, Lord, whom shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Peter was also the first one to speak up and acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. In Luke chapter 9, verse 20, Peter had bold faith, at least until Jesus was arrested. Then Peter's faith started to falter. Falter. We denied Jesus three times. Does this ring a bell? Can you also relate that we have uh, moments or days or weeks of our high in in, in the faith, right? And then all of a sudden we uh, lack faith. We doubt. We are filled with doubt and we are filled with disbelief. When the rooster, rooster crowed, He knew. And now Jesus has been crucified and buried. This man of great faith has been stripped down raw to failure. When the women show up and tell him about the empty tomb, he has no time to question their credibility. He has no time for cultural standards. His faith is staggering on the edge of the abyss. Can you picture Peter when the women show up? off alone in a corner his head buried in his hands showing visible signs of bitter weeping despondent, discouraged with a dark cloud over his head when the women speak the apostles don't believe their testimony the ten are there in unison questioning the women and Peter is there on his corner wondering if he still belongs doesn't that ring a bell? Wondering if he's still a part of the community. But when Peter hears the report, he has a different response. He gets up, and do you <coughs> do you see what it says? He runs. <laughs> he gets up, and he runs. He. He does not pace, he runs. You can can imagine what is going on in his heart as he runs. Could it be that there is light on the other side of darkness? Could there be another chance? He runs. If this picture of Peter is correct, then maybe it's not so hard to see why he responded to the empty tomb the way he did. Why did Peter marvel when he saw that Jesus' body was in, in the tomb? Why was he left in awestruck wonder? The empty tomb gave Peter hope. Until this moment, his perspective was one of defeat. His faith had been defeated and Jesus had been defeated. All of his hope in the Savior had been dashed. Jesus was dead, but now, seeing the empty tomb, there was hope. And the same is true for us, brothers and sisters. The resurrection matters because it gives us hope. Jesus said he was going to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said that through his death, there would be forgiveness of sins. Jesus said that through his death, there there, 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 there would be eternal life. But he, when he died, all of this went out of the window. All of this all of what he said didn't matter anymore. If he wasn't raised from the dead, you have every reason to doubt everything that he did. A dead savior is no savior at all. But Jesus is raised. You have every reason to believe everything that he said. The resurrection vindicates Jesus' death. It validates all that he had said up until this point if Jesus is not risen then nothing's left but discouragement but if Jesus is risen there is eternal hope we can we can have forgiveness of our sins through the cross we can have eternal life in fact even though we will all die one day if we have faith in Jesus we will also be raised like Christ Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he'll live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is the hope that Jesus' resurrection brings. And that is why the resurrection matters. That's why it's essential to the Christian faith. One remarkable thing about our passage is that the announcement of the resurrection is initially met with skepticism or even unbelief. Why were the women initially perplexed? Why did the apostles not believe? Jesus told them multiple times that he would be raised from the dead. They heard it over and over again. They should have known. I think it's because it's easy for us to believe in death, but it's hard to believe in life. We see so much death all around us, don't we? We see it on the news, obviously. But we see it closer to home as well. We see it represented in every, each and every Easter with accidents on the roads. We are so convinced of, of death. You don't need to convince anyone here. You don't need to spend 15 minutes talking about the reality of death. All of us know about death. All of us have experienced death. We all know someone close. We all know a loved one. We all know a friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Nobody needs to be convinced of that. But we find it hard to be convinced of life. It's easy to believe in what we see all around us than what we hear in the gospel. We see sickness, deterioration, cancer and death. We go to funerals and the people we bury don't come back to us. It's so easy to believe in death. That's what we see. But the Easter message calls you and I from our belief in death to a new belief in life. It calls you to move from simply believing what you see to believing what you hear in the gospel. Those who gather for worship on Easter Sunday following the footsteps of Peter they've heard the news that Jesus is alive and so they come to hear it again each Easter to renew their faith and eternal life that's found in Jesus' resurrection we've heard that we have a solid basis for faith in the resurrection we've heard that faith in the resurrection comes from hearing the gospel we've heard that the resurrection gives us hope so now I want to ask you do you believe? And if you believe, then how does that inform how you live your life now? Let's take this time and pray. Our dear Lord and Savior, we are a people that are filled with unbelief, a people that are filled with ourselves. We follow our flesh, we follow sin, we believe what we see, and yet we find it hard to believe the gospel. Give us spiritual eyes, Lord, to truly, truly believe. Open our hearts that we may be transformed by you. We may rejoice in the reality of the risen Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.